0: Welcome Welcome Echo Church Church Online. Discover a life-giving local church where you'll find the community and support you've been looking for. Join us for our services at Mayo High School on Sundays at 9.15 or 10.45 a.m. We're eager to meet you and extend a warm welcome to the Echo Church family. That's right, and at Echo, we hope you'll find your place, your people, and your purpose, experiencing a true sense of belonging while building friendships and finding support. We believe this is what we're all seeking and we can't wait to share it with you. For those who wish to partner with us financially to impact Rochester locally and the world globally, you have two convenient giving options today. First, visit our website where you can set up an automatic reoccurring donation Allowing us to plan boldly and confidently for the future. Second, you can easily send your contribution via Venmo to at We Are The Echo Church. That's right. We appreciate your kind and thoughtful investments. Enjoy AFO Echo Online, Online service. service. Hey, good morning, Echo Church. Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on, can we make some noise if you're excited to be at church? You guys look good. Say you look good. All right. Nobody said you look good. I was trying to get you to tell me that I, thank you guys so much, wow, so kind, so kind. Uh, if we haven't met, my name's Noah, such an honor to be here today. Uh, I am not the pastor of Echo Church, and so if this is your first time here, you should definitely come back next week and hear the pastors of Echo Church. But it is such an honor to, to be a, uh, a guest member of Echo Church today. Um, And I just want to tell you this. I I think sometimes you can kind of take for granted what you're around often. Um, And I don't want you guys to take for granted the amazing church that you go to. Uh, This church is truly special. I look around the room, and I don't think this is a, a good church. I think this is a move of God that's happening right here. The fact that you guys, yeah, the fact that you guys are all here. Look at all these students over here. I mean, come on. This is amazing. Um, We planted a, a church called Way Church in Nashville, Tennessee just a couple weeks ago, seven weeks ago today. And uh, throughout our entire journey, we looked to your church as inspiration, as a guide. Uh, And so your church is not just a church that's impacting Rochester and the state of Minnesota. Your church is literally impacting churches around the country. And I just think that we ought to honor our lead pastors here, Pastor Andy and Christy Cass, for their faithfulness, for their vision, for their leadership. Come on, we can do better than that. If you're thankful for your pastors... Yeah. I like that decibel level right there. I like that. I like that. Hey, do you have your Bibles? Let's turn them on. Let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Anybody got a paper Bible? Let me see. Let me see the old school Bibles. Yes. Yeah. Just wave them in the air like you just do care one time for me. That's what I'm talking about. I love it. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 6. And uh, as you turn, I'll, I'll just Tell you a little bit about my family really quick, because statistics say you'll listen to me longer if I do that. Uh, My name's Noah. I'm 28 years old, and I gave my life to Jesus when I was 21. I was in college. Gave my life to Jesus through a YouTube video. And uh, just thankful for technology, thankful for the Internet and the way that it can be used for good. Uh, The second coolest thing about me, besides the fact that I know Jesus, is that I know Maddie Herron. Uh, four and a half years ago, I married my dream girl. This is a photo of her. She's on the front row right now She is the most like Jesus person that I've ever met And so I decided to put a ring on it and I am so so grateful that I did we have two little kids uh, We got a two-year-old he turned two this week Come on. That's a cute baby right there. You know what I mean? Uh, his name is lion James Heron and he turned two while we were speaking at NYC, which was the the youth event happening in town this week, 4,000 high schoolers were there, including all these Echo High students over here. And I brought Lion up on stage and made everybody sing happy birthday to him. And the kid grabbed the mic and started singing to himself. I was like, man, we got to pray for you, bro. Um, So that's our son. We have a daughter named Mila, who is five months old. And uh, man, something happened when I became a girl dad. Like, just it is the best. We got any girl dads in the room who can testify? I mean, uh, we went to Chili's. I, I told the students this earlier in the week, but we went to Chili's like a couple of days after Mila was born. And do you guys have Chili's here? Yeah. Okay, OK, we went to Chili's, and uh, we were in the restaurant, and, and the booth next to us was this three-year-old boy who kept looking at Mila, and I, like, I don't know what happened to me, but I was just like, "What?" <laughs> Maddie was like, "He's three, dude. Like, relax. I'm like, hey, you better stop looking at my daughter. So, uh, but that's our family. We live in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, we started Way Church seven weeks ago. We've seen 72 people give their life to Jesus so far, which is the best. It's the best. And um, if, you're ever, if you're ever in Nashville, you should come hang out at Echo South Campus, uh, which is Way Church I'm um, just so grateful and honored to be with you. I'm going to read you my favorite scripture in the Bible. It's Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. I think it's, it's my favorite scripture. I think it might be just the most practical, practically helpful scripture in the Bible as well. It says, but Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. That's a word. I'm not going to preach from this one. We're going we're to go to verse 18. I just, you know, I thought, my name's Noah, if you didn't laugh. It was funny. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, verse 18, it says this, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with yours. Two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Verse 22, this is my favorite part. Noah did everything just as God commanded him to do. I've been thinking a lot about legacy, about what matters, about what, what winning in this life looks like. And I think that sentence right there in verse 22 is what winning in life looks like. It's when people can look at you and say they did everything that God commanded them to do. Can you imagine getting to the end of your life and your friends, your family, the people who live in your city, they look at you and they go, man, that's just somebody who was obedient to the Lord. Man, that's just somebody who is faithful to what God asked them to do. I cannot think of a greater thing to be said about a person than that right there. Amen? So I want to talk to you this morning about what it looks like to build the boat. Can you say that with me one time? One, two, three. Build the boat. Build the boat. I'm excited, honored to be here pumped to preach God's word. Just want to say this, um, after service, my wife and I, we brought some books. I wrote a book called Holy Habits that came out recently, and we're selling them so that um, we can raise more money to do more ministry in Nashville, Tennessee. Even if you don't want a book, come say hi. We'd love to just say hello um, and meet you, but let's pray. God, thank you so much for these moments. We don't take them for granted. We ask that you'd speak to us through your word this morning. We didn't come here uh, just for a good time, um, although we're having a great time. Uh, We came here to have an encounter with you. And so we ask that you would uh, meet us, convict us, challenge us, encourage us this morning. We love you. We're so grateful for Chick-fil-A. And everybody said, come on, everybody said. So my wife and I, we've been married four and a half years. And when we started dating, I knew very quickly that she was the one for me. She didn't know that as quickly as I knew that. Took some convincing. But I knew quickly she was the one for me, and I wanted to tell her that I loved her, but I would get super nervous whenever it was time to actually say I love you. Did that happen to anybody else here? The first time you told your spouse you loved them, you were super nervous, you had like a pit in your stomach, and you know, you couldn't get the words out. This happened to the point where there were several times I tried to tell her and chickened out at the last minute. There was one time she was in the living room of her parents' house, and I walked into the living room, and I was like, I'm just going to do it, I'm just going to say it. I walked right up to her, I said, Maddie, I got to tell you something. She said, what? I said, your parents are out of toilet paper in the bathroom. (laughs) Because I would just get so nervous. So uh, about four months into our relationship, um, me and Maddie and a group of our closest friends, uh, we found a Groupon to be able to fly to Hawaii for super cheap and to all spend a couple days in Hawaii together. And I thought, man, what an amazing place to tell the woman of your dreams that you love her, right? I was picturing me surfing up on a surfboard. I had coconuts in both hands. You know, Justin Bieber acoustic music was playing in the background, like this was going to be amazing. We get to Hawaii, and uh, I'm sleeping on a little pull-out couch with my friend Andrew, and the first morning we're there, I hear, I wake up to the sound of the sliding glass door opening up, and I'm like, oh no, we're being robbed. I hop up out of bed, I look over, and it's Maddie. Maddie's walking out the glass door, she's walking towards the ocean. And so I go running out after her. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Are you sleepwalking? You know, I'm like poking her in the back. I'm like, what's going on? She says, uh, says, no, it's just the fish that I ate last night didn't really settle well on my stomach. And it was like I heard the audible voice of the Lord say, this is your time. And so I was like, well, why don't we just walk down the beach together? Let's just walk down the beach. And so we're walking and the sun starts to rise and like, like this was a Disney movie kind of a moment. Like, like the sky is, is turning orange and pink, and the birds are waking up, and they're starting to chirp, and we are in Hawaii. Did I say that? We're in Hawaii. we got the beach to ourselves. We're walking down the stretch of beach, and about 20 minutes into the walk, we get to the end of the stretch of beach, and I turn Maddie towards me, and I grab her by both hands, and I look into her beautiful blue eyes, and I say, Maddie, I love you. And I was like, She looked back at me and my kind of average brown eyes. She squeezed my hand and she said, I think I'm gonna throw up. And she ran to the bushes. Welcome to my life. (laughs) Hey, we got married six months later. Can we praise God for the comeback story? Come on. When we got engaged, uh, there was a photo that we posted online, and this photo kind of went viral. It was this beautiful picture of our engagement, and actually the the company that um, I bought the ring from reached out and asked if they could use it on advertisements, like online, on billboards, because it was just this beautiful picture, but if you just looked at the picture... You would never know the stories that came from behind it, right? You would never know the time I risked it all to tell her that I loved her and then she ran to the bushes. You, you would never know about the little moments behind the scenes. And I think right now we live in a world where everybody wants to talk about the pictures, but nobody wants to talk about the behind the scenes. Everybody wants to talk about the mountaintops, but nobody wants to talk about the valleys and the in-between moments and the moments that you don't post about on social media or the moments that you don't celebrate with family or the moments that you don't brag about with your coworkers. And what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you about what I believe is one of the hardest, most difficult stories in the Bible, which is the story of Noah. Now maybe you're here and you're like, I don't realize, I don't understand why the story of Noah is a hard story. Noah. It's this cute little story, right? We tell it to our kids. It's like, man, God told Noah to build a boat. Noah built the boat. Then God said, put all the animals on the boat. Noah did it. Thank God he remembered the Labrador retrievers. We wish he would have left the cats. You know what I'm saying? Just, all right? We wish, but he didn't. Here we are. It's this cute little story. They made it. They didn't die in the flood. And and here we are, right? But when you really study the story of Noah, what you see is that the the story of Noah is a very difficult story. Bible scholars believe that Noah built the ark for 120 years. Can you imagine doing anything for 120 years? That is a long time. Uh, I can't imagine doing anything for 120 years. I'm just going to be real with you. For the last seven years in a row, I've had the same New Year's resolution. And that is to get ripped. (laughs) I mean, I want to look like Troy Bolton in High School Musical. Like, that's been my New Year's resolution. And so what happens is the first three weeks of every year, I'm eating grass. I'm lifting weights. I'm waking up early. But around week three, I'm hitting snooze. I'm at Chick-fil-A. And I've just given up on Troy Bolton dreams. That's because starting things is easy, but finishing things is hard. And as followers of Jesus, I want you to understand we're not just called to start, we're actually called to finish. When you read through the Bible, what you actually begin to see is that God is not impressed with people who start things. God is looking for people he can trust to finish things. People who are going to go the long haul. People who are going to say, faithfulness is the goal through my life. I want to be like Noah where people say, I did everything God commanded me to do. This is what we're talking about today. We're talking about building the boat. How do you build the boat in a world that just likes to talk about building the boat? Came across this uh, really interesting study in the New York Times that came out in 2021. And the study was uh, uh, some research that the New York Times did on uh, Gen Z and millennials, which I'm kind of in between those two generations. Gen Z, uh, I think high schoolers, you guys are Gen Z, is that right? Yeah? Yeah. They're like, we don't know. Everyone's just looking at me like, I'm, I think so. Yeah, I think you are. Um, I, I'm like right on the older end of Gen Z and on the younger end of Millennials. And so this this New York Times article uh, caught my eye, and I read it. And this is what their research found: they found that every Gen Z and Millennial person, on average, will hold 14 different full-time jobs before the age of 30. It's a lot of jobs. And and the point of the research was not to, like, come to any conclusion that was, like, negative about the generation. They were just trying to show that as the human species, we have become people who are all about the next best opportunity. We're chasing opportunities. If there's an opportunity that leads to to, uh, uh, more popularity, we're going to take it. If there's an opportunity that leads to a better reputation, we're going to take it. If there's an opportunity that leads to more pay, we're going to take it. Because we're we're a people that are all about the next best opportunity. And what I want to warn you of is to not become somebody who chases the next best opportunity spiritually. Because we don't serve a God who gives opportunities. We serve a God who gives assignments. And there's a big difference between an opportunity and an assignment. An opportunity might be good for your name. An assignment will be good for God's name. An opportunity might bring your reputation clout, but but an assignment will bring God's reputation clout. An opportunity might fill your bank account, an assignment will fill heaven. An opportunity might give your life more purpose, but your assignment will help give other people's lives more purpose today at Echo Church is not the day to give up your God-given assignment for another man-made opportunity it's the day to pick up the hammer and to build the boat that God has called you to build when I was five years old my parents signed me up for t-ball and uh, my coach couldn't see the promise in my baseball career that I could see and so he put me in right field which I don't know if you've been to many t-ball games for five-year-olds, but there's not much that happens in right field. And so about three games in, there was a five-game season. Three games in, I'm complaining to my mom, telling her I want to quit on the way to the third game. I'm like, I want to quit, I want to quit. And she's like, no, you got to finish what you start. You know, she's preaching to me. And uh, that third game, everything changed because snow cone trucks started showing up to the baseball fields and all of the baseball players would get free snow cones after the game. So then I didn't care. I was like, I don't care if no one ever hits the ball to me. I'm getting a snow cone. In fact, uh, my coach, he would try to like, keep me engaged in the game. So he'd be like, Noah, pay attention. OK, coach. How many outs are there, Noah? Grape. <laughs> you know, like, like this is my baseball experience. So we get to the last game of the season. No ball had been hit to right field. And it's the fourth inning, and this kid gets up to bat, he hits it, really gets a hold of it. And by really getting a hold of it, I mean it just barely rolls into right field, okay? And everyone's going crazy. I mean, my mom is screaming at the top of her lungs. Everyone looks to right field. There's no right fielder. The right fielder, your boy, walked around the fence, was standing in the snow cone line in the top of the fourth inning. I was ready. My parents were talking about that story recently, and, uh, you know, we're all laughing and, you know, looking through t-ball photos and stuff, but man, I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit convict me in that moment, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, that's exactly what my people do all the time. God puts us in a position. We believe God told us we were supposed to be there at the time that he puts us there, and then The reality of the situation doesn't match our expectation of the situation. And so we bounce right before the thing that we've been praying for happens. We leave right before we see the harvest that we've been praying to show up in our life come to pass. Can I just encourage you today if you're here at Echo Church and you feel like giving up, you feel like quitting, you feel like you're discouraged, you feel like you're running on empty? Today is not the day for a position change, it's the day for a perspective change. God, if you're not done moving, I'm staying here. If you haven't told me a new word, then I'm trusting the old word. God, if you put me here, you're going to provide, you're going to bring the harvest, you're going to be faithful because even when I'm faithless, you are. Are faithful. I'm going to build a boat. I'm going to build a boat. I'm going to build a boat. Noah was committed to being faithful. His measurement of success in this life was faithfulness. Faithfulness. What's yours? Because if you don't have the right goal, you'll never finish. Noah was faithful for 120 years. Um, I'm a little dramatic, and so I, I read the Bible, uh, and I think about what the stories in the Bible would be like as Netflix shows. And I have a note in my phone where I rank them, and I, I regularly move them depending on where I'm reading in Scripture. And right now, I think the number one Netflix show in the Bible uh, would be the story of Noah. I, I just want you to think about how drama-filled this story would be, okay? Picture season one, episode one. Just humor me for a second, all right? Don't, don't judge me. Imagine the dinner conversation, season one, between Noah and his wife. Noah walks in. Hey, babe, quit my job today. Oh, why'd you do that? Thinking about building a boat. Yep, God told me to. Well, did God tell you to make it a fishing boat so we could pay the bills? Think more carnival cruise ship. (laughs) Okay, all the married people, let's just imagine that conversation went great, okay? Went great, swimmingly, okay? What about year 10? What about year 10? What's that dinner conversation like? Hey, babe, uh, you know... We used to get invited to the dinner parties with the neighbors, with the tea and the crumpets. They're British. Noah and his wife are British. (laughs) We used to get invited. We don't get invited anymore. You know why? Because they think we're crazy. They literally think we're crazy. What's Noah doing? I just got to keep building the boat. You're 20, you're 30, you're 40. I mean, something that you have to consider when talking about Noah is that nobody was celebrating Noah's faithfulness. The Bible says that his family was the only family that was found righteous before the Lord, meaning that there were no other people in his city, no other people in his state, no other people in his country, no other people on earth who were going, great obedience, Noah. Look how called you are, Noah. Look how gifted you are, Noah. Look how how faithful you're being, Noah. No one was celebrating Noah. There were no news articles being written about Noah. There was no social media tagging being done about Noah. There was nobody throwing them parties. There There was none of that. Which says to me, if your faithfulness is attached to the celebration of other people, you will not end faithful. It's got to be attached to pleasing one name and one name alone, and that is the name of Jesus. God, I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for an audience of one. I'm doing it because I'm trying to run the race that you've set before me, and I do that by fixing my eyes on Jesus. When things are hard, I'm looking at Jesus. When things are good, I'm looking at Jesus. I think that you might need to look at Jesus even more when things are good than when they're bad. I'm looking at Jesus and I'm building the boat. What about year 80, year 90 for Noah, year 100? Can you imagine what would have happened if Noah had stopped building the boat year 119? Can you imagine if you stopped building the boat today? That God has called you to build. Maybe you're here and you're like, wait, 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 wait. It's my first time at church. Why is this guy talking so much about boats? About to try to sell me a boat, bro? I don't want a boat, bro. Talking about boats, we're talking about callings. We're, we're talking about assignments that God gives us. Things that He's uniquely positioned us to do in the little amount of time that we have on this earth. And this is what I know about boats. I know that each one of us in here is called to build at least one boat, and that the boat is much bigger than you think. Because God does not build mediocre boats, God does not give mediocre callings. He's a God who does immeasurably more than we could ask, think, or imagine. It's a big boat that God's called you to build. Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know what the boat is. Maybe you're here and the boat that God's calling you to build is the boat of your marriage. Because the first couple years, it was easy to build that boat. It was like, man, this is fun, this is new, we're going on date night, we don't have little kids yet, we're not changing diapers right before we preach a sermon, and it smells awful. You know, like like it's easy in the beginning. It's like everything is going so great. And and then somewhere along the way, maybe year 10 for you or year 12 for you, the date night stopped happening and the praying together stopped happening and the intentionality stopped happening and life got busy and kids and jobs. And maybe today is just the day to go, man, God had me in church today for for one specific purpose, and it's for me to love my spouse better now. For me to to make date night a priority again in our our marriage. I'm going to build that boat. Maybe for you, you're here, and the boat that God's calling you to build is the boat of singleness. During worship today, you had your your hand up. You were worshiping, but it was the left hand because you wanted everybody to know that there was no ring on that finger. You were like, I am worshiping Jesus, but I am single. (laughs) And maybe today's the day for the Holy Spirit to convict you and to say, you know what? Fall in love with me more than the idea of a relationship. Be dependent on me for your happiness and not a boy or a girl. Maybe you're here today and it's a vocation. It's something that God's called you to, a specific, specific job where you feel like you're just making an impact, but maybe it's just not going the way that you thought it was and you're not getting paid the right way or whatever. Listen, if God puts you there, don't tell yourself, That God's taking you out of there unless it's really God. If you know God puts you there, pick up the hammer and build the boat. Maybe you're here and the boat God's calling you to build is this church. Because you've been coming, you've been attending, you love it. You're like, man, this place is life-giving. I, I, I love the way I feel when I'm here. I love the worship team. I love the pastors. I, I love the kids' ministry. Like, 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 this is an amazing place. But maybe you've just been coming and you've just been receiving, and now God's calling you to start building. And so maybe what God's going to put on your heart today is to go sign up to join a serve team. You go, man, I, I'll help in kids. I, I'll, help, I'll help with worship. I, I'll help as a greeter. I'll help on the parking lot team. We could have used you today. Because I'm going to build the boat. I remember my wife and I, we got married, and and we felt right away, God was like, build my church with your money. And people don't really like to talk about that. It it feels a little awkward. And, I mean, I I just told my church this a couple couple weeks ago. I got up on stage, and I was like, hey, I just want you to know we're going to talk about money a lot at our church. Not because we need your money, because the Bible says God will build his church. So whether you give or someone else gives, God's going to get the money to our church because he's put us here. But I want you to give because I want you to experience the blessings that we've experienced from giving to the local church. And so maybe today, maybe you've been coming and it's like you've you've heard the giving spiel and, and you kind of roll your eyes. I'm telling you, be a builder of God's house. Be a builder of what God is doing, what the kingdom of God, what's happening in the kingdom of God in Rochester. Tithe, give, live generously, start building that boat. Whatever the boat is that God's called you to build pick up the hammer, and start building the boat. I want to close just with a a story about a boat that means a lot to my family's life. Um, I have a little sister. Her name is Carson, and when Carson was 13 years old, she went on, on a mission trip to Nicaragua, and she went, and it totally changed her life. When she was there, she felt like God said, this is the boat that you're going to build with your life, and she felt like Um, God was saying, be a full-time missionary to this country. And she got involved with this amazing ministry that feeds 15,000 kids a day. Um, Kids that would not eat otherwise. They feed them one meal a day, and then they share the gospel with them. They give them toys, all sorts of stuff. And so uh, she goes there, she feels called. She comes back, she teaches herself Spanish in nine months. Not just like a few words, like she was speaking fluent Spanish in nine months. At 15 years old, my little sister started leading four missions trips a year where she was the main translator and teacher, leading 50 and 60 adults to Nicaragua by herself. I mean, you're going to talk about a world changer. And this is just a word for the students. You don't have to wait till you get older to be used by God. In fact, I would say when you say yes to God as a youth, more people are impacted than at any other age because people go, wow, God's got a hold of their life in a way that's really powerful. Your grandparents notice, your parents notice, your friends notice, your principals notice. And so don't wait until you're, you're gonna get married to follow Jesus all in. Don't wait until you get the job you want to go all in for Jesus. Go all in right now and watch God move through you so this happened to my sister she she starts she's like, god's calling me this god's calling me this and she finds out about this college called emmanuel college and she felt like god was saying go to emmanuel college because they've got this amazing missions program and so my parents are like okay like let's learn about emmanuel college so they look it up they find out it costs forty thousand dollars a year to go to emmanuel college and my parents are like are you really sure you heard from the lord because my parents are, are blessed, but man, there's been some times when it was hard to see it. You know what I mean? Like we'd walk by the pond and the ducks would throw bread at us at some <laughs> points in our life. And so my parents said, here's the deal, Carson. If, if God is really calling you to Emmanuel College, he'll provide. And so we're just going to pray for a scholarship. And if the scholarship comes, we'll know this was the Lord. And if not, it just wasn't the Lord. So it gets to the end of my sister's senior year of high school. No money had come in. My parents are sitting at the dinner table with my little sister, and my dad goes, Carson, you're going to have to figure out another option. You're going to have to figure out plan B for for college. And my little sister, she's super stubborn, and she pushes her table, or, or she pushes her plate to the middle of the table, and she says, My entire life you've told me to have faith, and that faith doesn't need a plan B. And now you're telling me something different. She said, can I please be excused from the dinner table? My parents were like, do we ground her? (laughs) You know, how do we handle this? And so my little sister goes upstairs to her room. And my parents tell the story. They could hear her just begin to cry. And then she just began to weep. And um, about four or five minutes later, her crying turned into singing. She started singing this song called Waymaker. Waymaker, miracle worker, light in the dark, my God, that is who you are. And she just starts singing it and singing it. And my parents are downstairs, and they just start to sing it. But the next day it's a Saturday. It was supposed to be College Visitation Day at Emanuel College. It's where you'd go to sign up for classes and, um, you know, meet professors. They had this whole thing for them. And my dad was really... On the fence about going because he didn't want to get my sister's hopes up, but the last minute they decide to go. They spend all day at Emmanuel College, and they're on their way to the parking lot to leave. And my dad's you know, readying his speech for my sister about how we can't we can't afford to help her. And uh, they're walking to the car, and this girl comes running out, and she says, "Hey, is your name Carson?" And my sister goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. My name is Carson." She says, hey, before you leave, I know you're leaving, before you leave, someone just asked if I'd come out and grab you, they saw you walking, will you come with me? So they walk back inside, they go into the admissions office, they walk all the way to the back of this big office building, and they find their, themselves standing in the president of Emanuel College's office. And they begin talking with him, and they, they, they start to, you know, just exchange pleasantries, whatever, and they're talking, and then all of a sudden the president gets really serious, and he goes, Carson, this is going to sound crazy. But last night, at dinner time, one of the biggest boosters of our college called me and said that the Holy Spirit interrupted him and his wife's dinner and spoke to them that they're supposed to give a full scholarship to somebody who's coming as an incoming freshman who wants to be a missionary to a Spanish-speaking country. He said, I look through, there's 350 incoming freshmen. You're the only one that matches that description. Would you like to come to Emanuel College? My little sister looked at my dad and said, I told you. <laughs> this is what I know about God. When he calls you to build a boat and you're obedient, what he's called you to do, you don't have to build it. God does the building. The Bible says in Isaiah 54, 17, there is no weapon formed against me that shall prosper. In Exodus 14, 14, I don't have to fight the battle. God does the fighting for me. In Romans 8, 31, if God is for me, who can be against me? Maybe you're here and you feel too dirty, too broken, too useless. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he who knew no sin became sin so that you could become right with God. God wants to build something through your life. It's just a matter of will you let him will you let him will you be faithful will you keep showing up will you keep going when things don't match your expectation will you refuse to let hopelessness win in your life will you keep your eyes on jesus and finish the race i don't know about you i don't want to be a starter i want to be a finisher I'm excited we launched a church seven weeks ago, but I'm way more excited to get to our 50-year anniversary. I'm way more excited for my wife and I to grow old together than I was about our marriage. I'm way more excited to see my kids be raised in the house of the Lord and to follow Jesus with their lives than I am them joining the Way Kids Nursery. I'm excited about finishing. Are you? Will you stand with me? If you're here today and you know that God's called you to build a boat, I'd love to just pray with you. If that's you, will you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with? God's calling you to build a boat. God's calling you to build a boat. If you feel comfortable, you just put both hands in the air just as a sign of surrender. God, I thank you so much for the boats that are represented in this room, for the families, for the marriages, for the jobs, for the church. God, I just thank you for what you're calling to build through us. God, I thank you that you choose people like us, people who are not perfect, people who struggle, people who have flaws, but God, people that you love more than anything, God. I pray we would be reminded of that love today, that we would be reminded of what you're doing in our life and why it matters, God. God, I pray you'd give us a supernatural boldness to be faithful. God, for people who walked in here on empty, I pray you would refill them. For people who, who have lost hope, God, I pray that you would be the hope that serves as an anchor for their soul in Hebrews six nineteen, God. I pray that you would give people who are restless peace that surpasses all understanding. God, I pray that you would be the rock that we build our house on, Lord, that as we follow you and we serve you, God, we would just be amazed at the miracles that come, at the faithfulness that you show us and prove to to us, God. We love you. We just want to be faithful to what you've asked us to build, God. We're expectant for what you're going to do. We believe that the best is still yet to come, and we are so excited to see it. If you believe it, will you just say amen and give God praise one more time? Come on.
1: Hey, can we just say thank you to Noah once again? I was just thinking, what a cool message for a church planner to come preach on week seven. That he's not in the business of starting, he's in the business of finishing. And that evoked certain thoughts and and, and feelings and memories in my own heart. And I remember him moving 20 years ago to Rochester and having a conversation with Christy about, about how long are we going to be here for. And, and I said 20 years, because when you're 20 years old, it is a lifetime. <laughs> and I just want to say, man, I am just honored to, to, to be here and uh, so thankful for Noah and Maddie. And, and as he was talking, I was just thinking about, about year nine into full-time ministry. I just was asking God, do you have, do you have somewhere else that's warmer? You know, uh, <laughs> more convenient, whatever it might be, and, and, and year 11, the same discussion happened, just kind of different circumstances, and year 13, and year 14, and year 15, all those moments, time and times, and circumstances changed, and, and I was just so thankful that I just kept building the boat to get me to the starting line to build the boat of Echo Church. And I am so thankful that we're here today because God didn't give up on me when I kinda wanted to give up on his plan. And so I just wanna invite you, no matter if you're new or you've been around Echo for a while, to remind you and to invite you, let's build this boat. Let's build this boat together. Whatever God's purpose is, whatever the purpose that God wants through ECHO, may we come together and be the church. Can you agree with that today? Yes, amen. Uh, and then lastly, we pray a prayer every week. And may this time, we, that when we pray this ECHO prayer, uh, this salvation prayer, this surrender prayer, may it be a reminder May it be a reminder that it is just our commitment to build the boat. And maybe someone came in here and you feel far from God. This is the beginning. This is the opportunity for you to lay down your hammer, to lay down your plans, to to lay down your your blueprint. And this is the moment that God says, you know what, follow me because I am going to make you a fisherman. This is the moment. Let us pray this together, church. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. Amen.